Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, we are, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're surrounded by the entire crew. Hashtag Hembo, Bubba and Cam, Pineapple Jack, Brandon's here, the whole group is here, and we're going to go back to have a little more fun with this Valentine stuff we were talking about, and then I will let you hear what Travis and Jason Kelsey had to say about the most surprising thing in the Super Bowl, but I'll open this hour as I did the first one with just a quick explanation of what my philosophy has long been. Look, we saw tragic events yesterday that were only tangentially connected to sports. The fact that this mass shooting, yet another one in this country, these horrific events that seem to happen practically every day, we saw one that took place at the celebration parade of a Super Bowl champion, and so it feels as though it has stepped into our world of sports, but the reality is this is an American reality every single day. And there are times and places to have deep conversations about that. And those places, in my view, are not on my shows. That's how I've always approached these things. That if you have decided you want to put on ESPN Radio today, it's you I work for. And you have done this. You have chosen to do this because you want to hear us make fun of Hembo's shirt. And you want to hear us talk about how the 49ers blew the Super Bowl. And you want to hear us talk about the pressure on the Bears on their offseason. And that's why you're here. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we will do. If there is any significant information that comes along, of course, we will pass it along immediately. And it is not because our thoughts are not first and foremost with the people, with the victims and the families and everyone else involved in Kansas City. That is obviously overwhelmingly more important than anything else we could do or everything else we will do combined. But the best we can do on a daily basis, I think, is try and take your mind off of things like that. So that's what we'll do our best here to do. We appreciate your being with us every single day that you choose to, and we fully understand that maybe there are some days like today that you need to hear coverage of the things that, that like that that are going on, and we'll be here waiting for you when you come back. So having said that, I'll go back to what we were saying a moment ago about Jack had his somewhat disappointing Valentine's Day. Hembo had a slam dunk, like a grand slam home run of a Valentine's Day, thanks to me exclusively. Um, and Jack, so I'll give you my first my first. I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. This is for you as a young man who is, you know, engaging now in your, with your um, uh, engagement here. Now you're, you're sort of stepping into this new realm uh, with you and your fiance, approaching your marriage and all that kind of stuff. And then for Bubba and Cam, who, God willing, will someday have a woman in their lives. Um, <laughs> here are my two overwhelming pieces of advice. Number one, when you have the girlfriend and you've been together a while, the mistake you made last night, was going to the expensive restaurant for Valentine's Day. Because now what you're doing is you're putting a lot of pressure on the restaurant to make the Valentine's Day special. Hmm. And Valentine's Day is actually best won the way Hembo won it yesterday, with a little thoughtful touch that she doesn't see coming. So if you went to a restaurant last night, we were talking about it, we're not going to put the restaurant on blast, but if you went there last night and the truffle fries weren't as good as they should have been for the price that you paid for them and all that kind of stuff... That's not what should determine your Valentine's Day. You, th- that special occasions are one thing, but 
I don't, I think a special occasion is better spent in a place you know intimately that matters to the both of you, where you have an emotional connection. People love the hole in the wall. I was just talking to one of our makeup artists about her favorite Valentine's Day. They go to the little hole in the wall taco place that she loves because that's, that's what she likes. And that's, so that is my advice to you. Next year on Valentine's Day and all that, take the sure thing. Don't try and show off, oh, look, I'm going to spend all this money on you because that isn't, you know, you're putting too much pressure on the restaurant to be the yeah. reason it was a success. Yeah. So that's advice number one. Here's the really important one. When I meet, I meet Stace, we, we meet, we actually met on Halloween and we started, so we sort of became a couple in December of 1995. So my first Valentine's Day is, you know, we've been together like two months. So it's very early in the relationship. And in those days, I was a, an anchor at CLTV, Chicagoland TV, little local 24-hour local news channel in Chicago. And the studios of that were way out in the suburbs in Oak Brook, Illinois, like far away. And the good news is there's a big mall right near where I worked. So lunchtime or whenever I got over, I sneak over to the mall. I'm going to buy, you know, my new girlfriend a gift. I'm 28 years old. I'm not a genius. I walk into the mall. I look around. And what do I see? Victoria's Secret. Mm. That's where I'm going. So I go in there. This seems like a good idea. I walk into Victoria's Secret and I find something that looks, I don't know, I thought it was uh, tasteful and, and, and pretty and nice. The sales ladies saw me coming and they said, that's not what she wants. She wants something that she wants you to get you her something on Valentine's Day that is super sexy. So she knows how sexy you think she Ooh. is. And I said, They must be right. They know what they're talking about. They work at Victoria's Secret. I don't. So I bought her pornographic underwear. There's really no other way to describe this. And I can still see the look on her face when she opened the box. The gift wrapping was lovely. I can still see the look on her face. I think the fact that the relationship survived that gift is a miracle. Suffice it to say, they were never worn, or at least not in my presence, and thus, and thus I hope never. So that is my second piece of advice to you, is don't let the salesperson talk you into spending a bunch of money on Valentine's Day to go sexy, sexy, because, and I don't know Kayla well, but I can tell you, at least from my experience, that's not what she was looking for. And that was sort of, it was early in the relationship, but that was kind of when we defined this long-standing rule, which is Stace shall take part in the picking out of all Stace yeah. gifts from now forward. And that's kind of where we have landed for low these now almost 29 years. Yeah, well, I think I've actually had a happy accident with my Valentine's Day gift. I told you I ordered some clothes that were not their correct size. So we've sorted it out. I'm going to take her to the mall. And the money that I spent on that, she will be able to spend on whatever she wants. Perfect. So perfect. I think it's a happy accident in that now, you know, she'll be able to pick out what she really wants, like you said. Right. I wouldn't use the word accident in a relationship to it. It just feels like a risky, I wouldn't use that word around her. But I think that (laughs) in generally speaking, it's an unintended consequence and it worked out very well. And as I told you yesterday, whatever her size is, get something smaller. Doesn't matter what it is. If she wears a large, get her a small. If she wears a medium, get her an extra small. If she wears a small, get her something for a (laughs) four-year-old. But whatever it is, get something that's too small so she can then take it back and she can exchange it for something she actually wants. But nothing sexy? Probably not. No, yeah, certainly nothing that sexy. 
That was cool. <laughs> I don't know where this thing has wound up, but I, I'm sure she doesn't still own it. But, I mean. Feels unlikely. Stace, if you're listening, and she's not. Uh, take a picture of that thing and post it, and she won't. <laughs> and she doesn't have it. But literally, I mean, if you would, see, she still talks about it. She still will bring that. It's up. one of those legacy-defining decisions. Yeah, right? that was a bad. That was a. That was not a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. that. that was unhappy, um, and it was an accident from which I've not recovered. Okay, let's get down to business here. I'm sorry. What? 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 I'm sorry. What? What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? So everyone, when Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers won the coin toss at the beginning of Super Bowl 58's overtime, everyone said exactly that. I'm sorry. What? You're taking the ball? And I immediately started thinking, they must know something I don't know. Like, there has to... I know the rule. I'm not Kyle Juszczyk. I know the rule. I remember when it was put in. I've been aware of it every day since the rule was invented. But because we've never seen it applied, I thought to myself, there has to be something obvious I'm overlooking. I was watching the game by myself, so I didn't have um, anyone to bounce this off of. So it wasn't immediately obvious to me that this was as obviously bad a decision as it turns out to have been. My first reaction was not that he's wrong, but that I'm wrong. That there must be something I'm overlooking as to why it makes sense to take the ball first, because Everything seems to suggest that's the mistake move. As it turns out, of course, it was a terrible decision. I was right. Kyle Shanahan was wrong. And among the people who knew it immediately were Travis Kelsey. The Kelseys, Travis and Jason Kelsey, on their New Heights podcast, this was their reaction to Shanahan taking the ball first in overtime. You win the coin toss. That's that's what you get. You get the opportunity to have the advantage, and they handed it right over to us. When they said we want to receive, and the ref looked at Fred, and he said, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. You Dude, sure you want to receive? And he said, I yeah, was, yeah, I want to receive. I want the ball. I was, I was texting. Just like, I got. I jumped out of my seat and said, They're, hey, hey, here we go. Here we go. Let's go, boys. Perfect. They want to receive. We get second possession. We know exactly what they want. Defense, hold them. Just hold them to three. Hold them to three. We're going to go down here and win this thing, baby. Freaking crazy. Really was. I was texting Nick in the before that even happened because we go over the same situation in playoff football. So that, that's the point. I, I think it's important to point out because it had never come up before, meaning it had never happened in a game before, some people, I think, have reacted to this like this was the first game in which this rule applied. But, I mean, Jason Kelsey, how many playoff games have they played the last two years? Four? Five? Four. Right? Four. They had three last year mm-hmm. and one this year. This rule was in place for all of those games. This rule has been in place for every playoff game that has been played last year and this year. It just didn't come up. But you heard the reaction there, Hembo. I mean, Travis Kelsey. And so for them to fire their defensive coordinator three days later, look, I understand, I'm sure that they didn't fire him because they thought he did a bad job in the Super Bowl. I, I'm sure there were other factors at play here. It's not my job to tell Kyle Shanahan how he should run his coaching staff. He's a very good coach. I, I've been very critical of him the last few days. None of it changes the fact that I think he is a very, very good coach. One of the best coaches in the league. However... The fact that you then fire the, the, the defensive coordinator three days later after your defense kept you in that game, they played great. They only gave up one touchdown in regulation, and that was off the bat, you know, the muffed punt. 
In the meantime, Kyle Shanahan takes the ball in overtime, doesn't use his timeout to the end of the first half. The play calling in the third quarter was horrendous. The play calling in the overtime was inconsistent with the decision to take the ball. Kyle Shanahan does all those things and then fires one of his coordinators three days later. It doesn't pass the smell test. It w- it's, the, it's the ugliest part of the industry, and I thought it was a very weak move by the, by the 49ers, especially considering the most recent thing that happened. The Chiefs got the ball in regulation 10 times, not coming off of a turnover. On those 10 drives, Steve Wilkes' defense allowed 12 points, zero touchdowns, and four field goals. That's about as good as you could possibly ask or expect your defense against the best quarterback of all time. And that's with one of their best players tearing his Achilles untouched in the second quarter. Yes, and also, their all-pro safety hasn't played for half the season. So, look, I mean... I don't think Steve Wilkes did a great job at this unit from soup to nuts this year, but he did a perfectly good enough job to retain his job and an objectively great job in the Super Bowl. And if you were to like, you know, list a number of things that cost them that game, Steve Wilkes is something like 10 or 15 on the Oh, list. absolutely. Steve Wilkes was good, and Brock Purdy was good. The things you might originally have thought you would point to, well, I don't think we would have thought we would point to Steve Wilkes, and he's the same guy who got screwed in Carolina and, and in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad. For, I've never mm-hmm. met Steve Wilkes in my entire life. But I feel bad for him. He's the guy who got a head coaching job in Arizona, and they fired him after one year after giving him Josh Rosen uh, as their quarterback. And then he goes to Carolina. He's picking up the pieces when they fire Matt Rule, and he does a great job, almost makes the playoffs. All the players love him. They're begging the owner to keep him. The owner fires him, hires Frank Reich. They fire him before the first season ends. Now he gets this job, Wilkes does, and this happens. I feel feel bad for him. It feels very reactionary by the 49ers. It feels like, okay— we lose the Super Bowl. Our fan base is out for blood. What can we do? And what you do is you fire the coordinator. You, you cut out someone's knees beneath you on the hierarchy. But what this means now is that Kyle Shanahan has to, you know, it has to be sort of held to task for this. I don't, I'm not suggesting they're going to fire him or fire him soon. But are you going to just res- – you just fired a defensive coordinator after pitching a great game in the freaking Super Bowl. So, like, the, the higher you get on the hierarchy, Kyle, the closer we get to you. I also don't think you needed to do anything. Me neither. You just lost the Super Bowl in overtime. <laughs> like, like, you came as close to winning a championship and not doing so as any team ever has. So, I mean – it's not like they – I don't even know – you're not obligated to do anything, which is the reason that I actually think they just had other reasons to do it. I don't know what it was, you know, fit, personality, chemistry, who knows. I, I, I don't think they fired him because they thought he cost them the Super Bowl. I really don't. But it still doesn't feel right the way it turned out. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Uh, there was a, um, a rant that had Hembo and I hysterical laughing in the office this morning. Don't miss it. You'll hear it next on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, 
give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The rant of the day, it wasn't really a traditional rant, but it was funny. It has to do with Taylor Swift, and we'll, we'll play it for you in a couple of minutes. Uh, right now, 30 seconds for ESPN Bet, which is now live as the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN Bet is the only place... You can find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today. New users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in a legal gambling state. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app. For details. So where have we been today? We've been all over. We heard a little more on the 49ers and their loss and the reaction of the Kelsey brothers when the decision was made to take the ball, which stunned a lot of people, myself included. We've talked about, and we will bring it back for you a little later in the show, if you're with us, the team's facing the most pressure to get this offseason right. And perhaps no surprise, at the very top are the Jets and the Bears The Jets are basically trying to salvage something. They tried to catch lightning in a bottle, something that felt like best-case scenario had a three-year window, more reasonably probably a two-year window. One year of it never even got started. It, It didn't even happen. It's as though... It's practically as though next year, last year never existed. I remember coming in the day after that game, September 12th of this past year, saying, I just want next season to start now. Like, like, like this season just ended four plays in. And they have so much work to do, and the offensive line is obviously where it begins. And then the Bears, who are going to make a huge decision. Like, I think the world is treating the Justin Fields-Caleb Williams decision like it's a much easier one than I think it actually is. Because if you're the one making it, you run two risks. The risk that the, 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 the primary – well, I, I guess they're both really the same thing. 
the risk is that either Justin Fields winds up being great or Caleb Williams winds up being not great or both. So I guess they ultimately amount to the same thing. You run the risk of having made the wrong decision when you have a franchise-altering decision in which you control every part of it. Like the Bears have total control. They have Justin Fields in their building. If they want to keep him, they can trade that pick for everything in the world plus $10. If they trade him, then they have Caleb Williams and they get you know, a capital back for Justin Fields. So they have nowhere to look but in the mirror if when we look back on this in five years, they got it wrong. They can blame nothing or no one besides themselves. You set up very nicely A and B, but there is a C and they have to consider it. The possibility that you might trade Justin Fields, get let's say a two and a four, and trade down from the first pick. The Bears are absolutely going to consider that as well. And they have to. This is a draft with quarterbacks worth going at the very top of the draft. It's one of those rare drafts where you could talk yourself into three quarterbacks going 1-1. And so if you move down one spot or maybe even two spots, you have the opportunity to collect an unprecedented amount of assets when you combine the Justin Fields trade and the one-pick trade. That's also an option for the Chicago Bears. Yes, but here's what I'll say. I think... And with something of this magnitude, you've got to be certain which one you want. Like, I never buy it when I hear a team say, we were okay with any of the three quarterbacks. Really? Like, you're, you're determining your entire future. Like, if, you're, if you met Lizzie and two other excellent women at the mm-hmm. same time, would you say, well, I'm fine whichever of the three of them I wind up married to? Of that's course essentially, not. That's my point. You're essentially marrying this person um, when you draft them number one and you're going to make them your quarterback in the face of your franchise. I can't imagine that they don't feel somewhat strongly that they would prefer one over the other two. And in this particular case, as valuable as what you're talking about is, and I understand what you're saying, I think if you're making the decision to move on from fields, you've got to take the guy you believe in most. And so there is, in your judgment, a 0% chance that they keep fields and draft somebody? With the Bears. Oh, that? The Jeff Saturday suggestion. Yeah, well, look, I I have no way of knowing what there's a percent chance of them doing or not. At the end of the day, they're the only ones making this decision. I think there's a 0% chance it's a good idea. I think that's a startlingly bad idea. I agree with you. I think it's very unlikely and would probably not work out. But I think we pretend like these quarterbacks (laughs) live in a different world than they actually have. Like, in reality... These people have competed for jobs all the way up through college. Justin Fields lost a job to Jake, uh, to Jake Fromm at Georgia, transferred to Ohio State, and that didn't deter him. We saw Jalen Hurts have to do the same thing. Like The idea that you can't have a quarterback competition in the NFL is widely accepted. I'm not sure that we should widely accept it. Here's the reason I disagree with you. Quarterback competitions in a vacuum, you're not wrong. But here's where you're wrong. If the Bears draft Caleb Williams, which I think it is overwhelmingly likely they're going to do, then from that moment forward, every decision and move they make has to be with the intention of making him an all-time great player. You've got to do absolutely everything. You have to give him the exact number of reps in camp that you think he needs, whether it's all of them or none of them or somewhere in between. How much he plays in the preseason, when he starts week one, week three, week seven, week nine, not at all. If you want another quarterback in there, go get Gardner Minshew or Andy Dalton or someone like that, someone who's who might as well have a bridge on their jersey instead of a number because they are clearly there to help you develop the quarterback and understand 
and that's their role. That's why it worked with um, um, Alex Smith and uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes because it was clear to Smith, to Alex and everybody else that's what his role was and he was cool with it. He had been there a long time. He'd made a lot of money. He'd lived through that experience in San Francisco, etc. Justin Fields needs his career to get going. Justin Fields is not going to be okay being there holding the job down until they decide Caleb Williams is ready. You're setting them both up to fail. I think it is overwhelmingly in Justin Fields' best interest to get out of there and I think you, if you're going to take Caleb Williams, you have to bring in a, a legitimate um, bridge quarterback as a veteran. I agree. I think it would very likely be an untenable quarterback room. I'm just intrigued by the possibility of seeing it in the NFL, and we rarely do. I'm, I'm intrigued by the possibility uh, that you brought up earlier of them trading back a pick or two. Like, let's just say they do the work. Because if, if you listen to two people whose opinions have say the weird thing about doing the draft and the good news for me is I don't have to give my opinion on the draft. No one is watching the draft to hear what I think of any of these prospects. So I won't ever have been wrong on any of them. But what is interesting about it is that I listen to I'm startlingly in tune to what people are saying about all these guys. I've started listening to all the podcasts and I look at every mock draft that comes out and there's a lot of sameness. Now I'm assuming that at some point soon this will start to to change because the combine is coming and that's where they'll get a lot of data that winds up making a lot of decisions. It's just interesting to note that when all teams have to go on are the games that they've been played. So all they've been able to do is watch tape Everyone seems to view it the same way. Like every analyst sees it exactly this, practically the same way. It's the same 40 guys in the first round of every mock draft you will find. Then the combine is going to come and all the rest of it is going to come. And some of that stuff will get shuffled around. Now, my gut feeling is that Caleb Williams is going to stay at the top no matter what happens. But if the Bears, because I've got very credible people, Lewis Riddick, if you've been listening to him on Get Up, strongly he loves Jaden Daniels he doesn't like Jaden Daniels he loves Jaden Daniels Tim Hasselbeck who I think is an excellent analyst and evaluator of quarterbacks and he thinks Drake May is the best prospect in this class those are legitimate opinions from legitimate people if the Bears arrive at one of those two conclusions then the option you're talking about comes into play I don't think you do it just because you want to accrue the additional picks. You do it because you actually like the other guy better. Being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, kind of like being the quarterback of the New York Giants, is, and like being the quarterback of the, the Green Bay Packers, for that matter, is a unique and different job. A lot of the games you're playing are going to be played in bad weather with a lot of wind. It takes not just a good quarterback to thrive in those environments. It takes a good quarterback and the right quarterback. All right, at USC, Caleb Williams was listed at 6'1", 215. At LSU, Jaden Daniels was listed at 6'4", 210. Drake May is 6'4", 230. In scouting parlance, he is what they look like. In that division... In those stadiums, in that world, that is a huge deal for me. In order to thrive in those environments, you need not just a good quarterback, but the right kind. I'm not convinced that an LSU quarterback or a USC quarterback, as skilled as they might be, has the ability to thrive there when you consider the defenses you're playing in those divisions and the weather conditions as well. Now, here's what I'll say in response. I totally understand what you're saying. You're not wrong. Nothing you just said is wrong. But... Well, we have seen historically 
quarterbacks who would fit into the Caleb Williams mold succeed in bad weather, which is to say, I mean, Patrick Mahomes looks like Caleb Williams. He's way bigger. Way bigger. He's thicker? And taller. He's three inches taller and in college listed at 15 or 20 pounds heavier. He's three inches taller? He's 6'4". I... I don't think of, I don't perceive Patrick Mahomes to be that big. Like when I think of the really big quarterbacks in the NFL, I think of Josh Allen. I think of um, Justin Herbert. Like I think of them as big. When I think of small, I think of Tua. Kyler. Uh, well, well, Kyler and, 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 um, and uh, um, it's the second time today Bryce I've forgotten Young. his name. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Look, I hate saying this out loud. They're too small. Like, they're not small. They're, they're too small. And Jaden Daniels, I worry that he's too slight. Me too. And that would, that would be my big concern, not because of the weather. That would be my concern for any team. You know, playing for the Bears, yeah, you play, you're going to play once a year. You need a big quarterback that can rip it and cut the wind. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a more important factor. It's why Eli Manning was able to thrive with the Giants because he had that kind of arm. But a lot of really talented quarterbacks have gone there. The Jay Cutler had some success because he had a freaking cannon. It's true. Drake May has a freaking cannon. Yeah, I'm not huge. saying that's the only thing that matters, but... Everyone will say that. The first comment everyone who has ever seen him in person makes is, he's so big. He looks like Justin Herbert. I mean, think who his brother is. His brother was Luke May. His, his brother was like a power forward in college basketball. Um, so he, he's, he's 6'4", maybe pushing 6'5". You know, 230 and hasn't filled out yet. He's 21 years old. So, look, I like him too. But, but, but I will tell you, you ask Lewis, he's got major questions. Major questions. And Lewis was the guy who sat right there and said to you last year over and over and over again, C.J. Stroud's the best guy in this class. C.J. Stroud's the best guy in this class. So these guys are right sometimes and they're wrong sometimes. Everyone is right and wrong. And part of it is the circumstance into which these guys wind up. I don't think that body type is anything close to everything. But I think we have gotten a little too far away from the, oh, this is what a quarterback is supposed to look like notion. Like that's, there's no way someone like Zach Wilson is being drafted second overall 10 years ago. There's no way that Johnny Manziel would have been drafted in the first round 20 years ago because like more traditional scouting measures mattered more then. Like there are exceptions to rules, but we break them too often. I'm not saying that Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels are too small, but just talking about the Chicago Bears quarterback job, Guys that look like that have not thrived there. That doesn't mean they can't or won't. It's just to say, it to me, would be a data point in making my decision. All right, I think that's fair. I, I think that is well put, and we'll see if it's something they take into account. Meanwhile, let's have a laugh. They are who we thought they were. Playoffs? Playoffs? You kidding me? You kidding me? Hello? You play to win the game. Rant of the day. Well, so this is not your traditional rant. So, so for the rant of the day today, Chris Mad Dog Russo. So Himbo and I were listening to this in the office this morning. He doesn't yell and scream and carry on as he frequently legendarily does. But the things he says we found so hilariously funny that I just hope you will enjoy them as well. So he's talking about Taylor Swift, and he's not a huge fan of the coverage. He thought CBS, you'll hear him say he thinks CBS went to, you know, the shot of her too many times. And then for those of you who don't know Chris and have not listened to him, you know, as, as, as I have and many others have for decades, um, he's one of the few people who have been doing this way longer than I've been doing it. Um, he, he, no one digresses 
more or better than he does. He just starts throwing in a bunch of unrelated thoughts to almost everything he says. And at least in our opinion, in this case, it got hysterically funny. See if you agree. They overdid it yesterday. I mean, I don't care if it's only a split second. They must have gone on that suite for Taylor Swift 9,000 times. Way over the top. And I'm not one of those. Listen, I think it's too much. I'm not that into it. Uh, I do think that's a caring relationship, which I don't think it's fake. That I like. I've seen it again on the field. I think they do really care. I think there's a future there. But they went to her way, way too many times. I mean, I, I didn't count the amount of shots to that suite. It had to be 10 or 12 in the course of the game. I mean, it's just, it's way over the top. And Sean made it sound like, well, you only did it for 38 seconds. Well, it's not so much the length. It's just going to the, all I got to do is go there for a second. And if you only go there 38 seconds, that means you could still go there 25 times, right? Each time's a second and a half. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. Cuts the corner ball. There she is. Chiefs are driving. There she is. Got her fingers crossed. There she is. I mean, it's just way, it was, it was way too much. Uh, uh, Bubba and Cam, you seemed skeptical. When he says, that beginning part, when he says, look, they seem like a, a, a committed, co- I think there's a future there. <laughs> you don't find that hilariously funny? I do like that he tangents into evaluating the relationship. That's where it's the beauty of it. Yeah, that That's was good. the funny part. That part Again, was They good. overdid it yesterday. This is okay. I mean, I don't care if it's only a split second. Yeah. They must have gone to that suite for Taylor Swift 9,000 times. Right, funny. <laughs> Way over the top. Here we go. And I'm not one of those. Listen, I think it's too much. I'm not that into it. Uh, I do think that's a caring relationship, which I don't think it's fake. That I like. I've seen it again on the field. I think they do really care. I think there's a future there. But <laughs> Come on. That is hilarious. That is a f- I think that, look, it's a caring relationship. He's that a that fan. I like. Yeah, he's a fan of the relationship. That I That's like. what's funny. So he's a fan of the relationship, but they showed it, you know, just a little bit too often. He wants to make it clear. He doesn't think it's a fake relationship. I don't know. We it, Maybe I'm just a little overtired, but... We listened to that this morning, and when he said that oh. in the office, I had to be revived. I, think I was laughing so hard. <laughs> that's yeah, it was great. perfect, and he's also proving why they show her. Like, even though he hates it, he has an opinion. Yeah. And I, by the way, Mad Dog, brought the data. So I found this from Sports Media Report, all right? Sports mm-hmm. Media Watch, excuse me. In women ages 18 to 24, this year's Super Bowl viewership was up 24% year over year. In girls ages 12 through 17, up 11%. And women and men 18 to 24 and girls 12 to 17 combined accounted for nearly 2 million more viewers. So you can't attribute that all to Taylor Swift, but you yes, can you most can. definitely attribute mean, no, a lot can. of it to Why Taylor Swift. Why couldn't you attribute all of that to Taylor Swift? What, what else would cause such a significant increase in those particular demographics, in a demographic in which she is overwhelmingly the most popular person in the world. It's an amazing thing that you can show someone on TV for a minute and that many people will care just in case you do. Look, the bottom line of it is this. It is an easy decision to make if you are CBS or anybody else. Do you know how many people turn it off because they keep showing her? None. Do you know how many people turn it on because they are going to be showing her? Lots. That's a very easy decision to make. All right, trivia. All right, Vern Lundquist has called the Masters. Oh, I love him. Since 1983. I love him. Over that span, three golfers have at least 10 top 10 finishes at the event. You guys are going to give me all three. 1983. That's the cutoff. 10 top 10 finishes. 
Ten top tens. This at is Augusta. group. You didn't specify. This is group. You can give me all three. Three of them. There are three guys. Yeah, we're going to get ten this. top ten finishes at the Masters since 1983. We're going to get this. The answer is next. ESPN Radio. There's a future there. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. So this is a tough one. Greeny on ESPN Radio. I, and Bubba and Cam and Brandon can't really help much. Pineapple Jack knows a little golf, but he's very young. Doesn't go back as far. Hembo, read the question again. Sure. So since 1983, that's when uh, Vern Lundquist first started calling the Masters, there are three golfers that have at least 10 top 10 finishes at the event. And for group trivia today, you're going to give me all three. Okay. So here we go. So in that time, the obvious first guess people will make is Tiger Woods because he has won five times. I'm not 1,000% sure he has five other top 10s. He he missed a bunch of years... With injury, he does always play well there. I have so many names written down here. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Mickelson has won three jackets. He's he's a player who has been playing there longer than Tiger has. He has always been in contention. My first guess is going to be Phil Mickelson. That's right. Okay. He has 16 top 10 finishes, which is the most of any golfer in this group. Wow. So I was thinking about Nick Faldo. Fred Couples always plays well there. Bubba Watson always plays well there. The Spanish golfers play well there. Jose Maria Olazabal, Sergio Garcia. Ben Crenshaw would have won both of his Masters since that time and is someone who has always played very well there. The the, the guys who play well there are the great putters, and Crenshaw is one of the best putters that ever lived. Bernard Longer is playing there. He's a two-time champion. He's playing there for the last time this year, so his name is kind of in my head. And he, and he feels like he's always kind of around in contention. 
Here's the problem. If Tiger Woods is one of the three answers and I don't say his name, I will never forgive myself because it's, it's too obvious to have missed. So I'm going to say Tiger. That's correct. Okay. Tiger Woods has 14 top 10 finishes, which is second. Couldn't have been more wrong. On the list. All right. So Tom Watson, I think, is too old for this. Player and, and Nicholas are definitely too old for this. They wouldn't have 10 top 10 since 83, I don't think. So it's I, it's going to be one of the names I've mentioned. Guy, do any of you have any any guidance here? Like what about I'm th- what about just someone of the newer guys? You know, like John Rom or something. ten is a lot. Rom, it's a lot to stack up. Spieth, yeah. I mean, Bubba just, Watson. Bubba, you mentioned Bubba Watson, who's he's he's won twice, and then obviously you know how he's lo- in his forties. So I, he would just need eight more. I mean, yeah, eight more is not that few. I'm thinking of guys who've been there like longer and thus would have had more time to amass them and, and maybe like snuck in one or two like much later in their career you didn't see coming. This is 40 years. Yeah. So my gut feeling is it's, my gut feeling is it's either Ben Crenshaw or Fred Couples. Why not Faldo? Th- that's, or it could be Nick Faldo. I can't imagine the answer is going to be Ben Crenshaw. I think it's one of those three. I feel like you guys want me to say Faldo. Should we go Faldo? He's just the one that I know the best because right, he calls right, the, right. the and event. He's, and he's famous, and he's famous mostly for playing well there. It's not a bad guess. Faldo's not a bad Who Faldo, do you feel best he's about? He's old enough. I feel terrible. I feel equally bad about all of them. I, I've, you're saying Spieth? No, it might not be. Now, he's I, so young. That's pretty sneaky. I think, okay, I don't want to take up the rest of the show. Let, let's go with Nick Faldo. The correct answer is... Fred Couples. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. You had it. So Fred Couples had 11. Nick Faldo only has three. You talked yourself out of the right answer. No, we did. And we have no idea what golf is. By the way, uh, Tom Watson and Bernard Longer both tied with nine at fourth on this list. I had it. Oh, you had had it. I had all the right names. I had all the right names. And freaking Cam says, well, I've heard of Nick Faldo. It's true. He's very famous. I was going to say say Fred Couples, but I didn't want to. You said Fred Couples a couple times. Yes, I did. He always plays well there. Olaf Abel and Norman both have eight. Rory and Crenshaw both have seven. That, I'm, I'm, I'm in physical pain. I can't tell you how much pain I'm in. That's right. wide right right there, man. Give that was, the that missed wide right. I don't, how are we scoring this? I feel like Just we, me. Just me. You guys don't. You, you didn't have a chance. I, we talked you into getting the wrong answer. All right, I feel like, just you. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving us all a loss for that. I'm no, sorry. No, I think just you. I think just you get a loss because I, I got so close on a question you deemed unfairly hard. Oh, damn it. I'm so upset now. I really thought I had that. All right. I wanted to, I wanted to just say a quick word about Vern. So a couple of years ago, I, had a, I did a, a little podcast series here called I'm Interested in which I just did long-form interviews with people I was interested in. And I did two seasons of it. The second one, I did nothing but sports broadcasting legends. I just wanted to talk to them about the greatest events they'd ever covered, the greatest events they'd ever been to. And the first guest I had on that series was Vern Lundquist. And what a thrill that was. And I had never met him. I've still never met him in person. But he is such a gentleman. He's someone everybody loves, right? I mean, no one in a world where we can't agree on anything, even as sports fans, I think we all agree we love Vern Lundquist. And the stories he told were unbelievable. And everything from his years covering the Cowboys to all the NFL that he did to all the NCAA tournaments that he did to all the Olympics. I mean, he was on play-by-play for Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. 
He was on the play-by-play for many of the most famous college basketball games you've ever seen in your life. He was on the play-by-play for Super Bowls. He was on the play-by-play for so many things. But to me, he will always be one of the voices of the Masters. The Masters is the best television, the best televised sports event of the year, in my opinion. There's no greater, there's nothing I love more than watching the Masters on television. And Vern has been such a part of it basically all of my life. And he's made two of the most famous calls. Well, no, he's made the two most famous calls of the last 50 years at Augusta. And I only limit it to that because I don't know about any of them before that. No one called Gene Sarazen's albatross. So uh, I, I, maybe the two most famous calls ever. One of them, 86. Maybe. Yes, sir! Jack Nicholas, the putt on 17. Lundquist was, Vern was in the 17th tower then. He's moved to 16 now, the par three. But that was on 17, and that's Nicholas the year he came back and won it. And the I have seen the emotional exchanges the two of them have had about that moment. Because Jack genuinely believes that that putt is magnified in people's lives, in people's memory, because of the call. Because he just punctuates it with, yes, sir. And so that's one of the two. And then the other, of course, is Tiger. Tiger's most famous Masters win will either be his first one in 97 or what is to date the last one in 19. But it was in 2005 that he hit the shot from behind the green on 16 that rolls and rolls and rolls, sits on the lip for two seconds before rolling in. And again, you can't call it better than Vern did. Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen anything like that? I mean, you could tear up, right? It's so beautifully done. So, Vern, if uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it between now and April, but we love you. The world loves you, and the world thanks you for all of the memories and for perfectly describing the moments that form the tableau of our lives as sports fans. You're the best. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.